0: never ever marks the spot I am altering the people pray I don't alter it any further community doesn't believe he exists, the ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that does not care what the Lord of the Rings narrator says. We are not going to share our onion rings. My name (laughs) is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter here hey man how's it going uh pretty good pretty good how How is how is the frigid uh white midwest that we are living in for you
0: Um, it's super cold, um, but I'm just glad that it's not snowing this week (laughs) because it seems like every time we record it snows and, uh, right now it's just bitter cold. So not snowing
1: yet because we're supposed to get another five inches this weekend. So rock the party.
0: Oh dear Uh, Lord. I didn't even realize that, but it's, it's pretty close to a foot, um, outside right now. Like, uh, I go on like, uh, So I work from home, but I still force myself to go on walks, even though it's freezing, because I just need to I don't know. I can't just sit there in a chair all day. You know what I mean? And just like the uh, the snow next to the sidewalk is like it's literally like a foot and a half higher than uh, where you are. (laughs) So I guess it's going to be like nearing two feet at this point deep uh, with all the accumulation we have.
1: I I honestly think the snow by my sidewalks are uh, like on the sides of my sidewalks are two feet easy yeah um the snow at the corners of my driveway is like up to my chest because of the snow plows and me (laughs) yeah absolutely um it's (laughs) it's it's insane so hey you know what it's the perfect time to sit in the house watch movies play video games and read comics right absolutely Um, um yeah i'm surviving but um we're good so far so we'll see how uh life goes i guess and more snow and i'm just tired of shoveling every like when it does snow, you have to shovel like two, three times a day because you got to run out. But I don't want to drive on it because it packs it down and creates ice. And it's just Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about what are we watching? What are we reading? You know?
0: Yeah. So um, let's see. So this week I actually am caught up on WandaVision. I am not a garbage person like I was last week and didn't watch the newest episode. I'm all caught up. Yeah. It was awesome. And I'm looking forward to talking about that. Okay. Um, But other than WandaVision, the only other thing I've really been watching is uh, the newest season of The Sinner just uh, dropped on Netflix. Um, And I've I've talked about this show in the past. It's a really, really good mystery series, and I really love it. It it stars uh, Bill Pullman, who you'd recognize from Spaceballs or Independence Day, and he is the main detective. And it's basically like a short, I think each season is about 12 episodes and each season just surrounds some sort of uh, crazy murder mystery that he's involved in. Um, and this season is just like that, but this season actually breaks the sort of formula that all the other seasons have had where this season, what, so typically what happens in the center is the very first scene is some very weird, violent murder that you witness And then the rest of the season is kind of dissecting. Why did this happen? What are the details and kind of unveiling the mystery this season? However, is actually a really different formula where you're kind of shown elements of the murder while watching different elements of Bill Pullman's life, um, and it, it doesn't unfold the same way. You don't see the murder completely in the first scene like the other seasons have shown, uh, you know, the mur- the murder that that season's about. But also, um, it's kind of weird. It almost feels like, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Basically, um, I'm kind of losing my train of thought, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> but basically, okay. uh, this season. Um, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say, but it. It's basically, okay. <laughs> I think the season is for Bill Pullman's character in the season. It's kind of like the Thor Ragnarok season of the center a little bit. I think, I think they're really deconstructing his character and, um, the murder that's ha- that happened in the season is having like a huge impact on his life. So it's kind of a cool, um, it's a cool way they're shaking it up because his character is growing, but his character is also being, um, sort of, uh, you know, dissected and taken apart. And uh, yeah, it's hard to explain exactly what I'm getting at without you watching it. And I'm s- totally sorry. Cause I've kind of lost my train of thought, but overall I'm really enjoying this season, but it's um, it's just a different vibe than the last ones, but uh, still the center is a great show. So I definitely recommend it. Um, well, I was going to say, that's what I was getting out of the conversation was just go watch the center, right? <laughs> ab- absolutely. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, anything else? So WandaVision and the center. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. How about you? Well, before I go, have you had a chance to uh, dig into the DC Universe Infinite app at all?
0: You know, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't had a chance to uh, dig into that yet. So I'm sorry. I, I I have been thinking about about it, but I just haven't pulled the uh, plug on that free trial. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's that's a bi- right. it's a big commitment, but I haven't made it yet.
1: I know. No, I was just thinking about it because I'm just enjoying it. Like I'm getting. Like I said, when I when the app started, I'm just not used to the e-reader and I like having the book in front of me and I like having I'd rather have the comic book. But when I you know, when it's not conducive to be dragging comic books and stuff to work just to read during my lunch hour, um, it's really convenient to just basically pull up my phone and read some comics for a little bit and then go back to what I'm doing. You know what I mean? When you can carry the entire D.C. library on my phone, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it kind of it's pretty cool. And then the other thing that I think is cool is being able to read panel by panel. As opposed to page by page, because in a comic book, since you have pictures, you look at what I think is cool is if there's an explosion. So you turn the page and there's an explosion of like a car or something um, or a building. You don't know why why that happened yet. But you've already but your eyes have already caught the image, even though you haven't like definitely depth in depth. Oh, I see what you Looked mean. at the picture. Your eyes still caught the image and then you have to read to find out how that happened. Um, So in terms of like. Spoilers when you're doing panel by panel, and that's all you can see is the panel. There are no like visual spoilers. You're just panel by panel. You know what I mean? So um, it's com- it's a completely different way of looking at it. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm always on the fence about that because. The way that a comic book page is uh, composed and uh, designed, I really actually get—I really get into the art of lay of how a page is laid out. But I do understand what you mean because you're not seeing uh, pieces of action ahead of time and stuff. I once heard oh. a uh, an interview with—I want to say Jeff Johns, but it might have been a different creator. But I heard an interview where somebody was talking about when you make a comic book, every time there's a surprise, you make sure it happens with the turn of the turn of a page. So if somebody jumps out to scare you or there's an explosion or something, it always works best when it comes in the order where it's a page that's being turned. But uh, yeah, I mean, reading a comic book panel by panel, you wouldn't even have to worry about that at all. It would just be, you know, you see the information as it's presented to you. But um, I I, I just think it's oh, sorry, keep going. go Go ahead. I was going to say, I just this uh, like comic book page and panel design and stuff is like stuff I'm super interested in. So I could honestly talk about this for hours. <laughs> but, well, but what, go I was on, what say, were you saying? What I was going
1: to say was I completely agree with you about the page layout and design and the art of the doing that. Yeah. However, when you're reading on my phone, yes. that's too small. So panel to panel makes it easier to physically read. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, and I mean, I have like a Samsung, I have the Samsung 20, so the screen is decent size. So it panel to panel, everything's like perfect reading size for me. Um, Very rarely do I have to like pinch and zoom just to look at something. But if I go to just the page, it's nice to see the comic book page, but I can't read it because everything's way too tiny. So um, it just, it just, a little more conducive to do it that way. Um, Like I said, I would prefer the paperback book or the hardcover book or the actual comic issue, the trade, however you want to word it. I would prefer the physical copy over this, but in terms of uh, convenience, when I just want to read a comic book on my lunch, this is perfect. Um, So I'm really enjoying the fact that I can do that. Um, So what did I watch? So I've been kind of playing around at that and reading some more, sure. Um, But in terms of watching... I'm watching uh, the show on HBO called The Undoing right now. Um, Do you know this show?
0: No, it's the title is so vague. I feel like it could be it could mean anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's it is a it's a really like some of the subject matter is kind of a hard sit, um, depending on how your life is structured. Are you married? Do you have kids? That kind of stuff. Um, The guy who wrote this is uh, he's the same writer as uh, Big Little Lies oh okay Uh, and it's based off of one of his novels of the same title um i didn't read the book i just someone told me to watch the show so i think i i don't know if they'll go more but i think it's just the one up one season and it's only like uh six or seven episodes um but it's uh so if you have hbo max it's there for you to watch but nicole kidman hugh grant um they're the lead actors and um Nicole, and they're like rich parents who like, you know, private school in New York kind of thing. Uh, She is a therapist. He's a uh, uh, pediatric oncologist. And there is this woman that is somewhat involved with Nicole Kidman through a school program, and she ends up murdered. And there's this crazy mystery that's going on. Like, it's basically a, a really crazy who did it mystery. And, um, there's a psychological thriller aspect to it. I, I, the, the, whoever's directing it is almost directing it very David Fincher-like. Um, it's is really sweet. Um, I have one episode left, so um, I can't. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'll end up spoiling the heck out of it. And it's definitely. And as much as we sit and spoil, like Wandavision, for example, when we talk about it. I don't want to spoil a show like this because there's a murder mystery to it. We're talking about a comic book show where you could literally go pick up the comic book and read a little bit and have more understanding when you watch the show where this is a murder mystery. And if I say too much, it'll literally ruin the ending. So (laughs) um, yeah.
0: Nice. Um, I'll definitely keep this show in mind. I did enjoy the first season of big little eyes. I actually enjoyed quite a bit. So I'm definitely interested, uh, that second season of big little lies. I don't even know if I finished, to be honest, uh-huh. I felt like the show kind of went downhill after the first one, but, uh, no, it the Undoing doing sounds cool for sure. Yeah.
1: Check, definitely check this one out. The, the mystery is really sweet. Um, and there's, there's some, and when I say twists and turns, like there's enough of them that's going to, that makes you next episode, next episode, next episode. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, anyway, you want to talk some WandaVision? Yeah, let's go for all it. Right. So last week you had not seen um, the episode with uh, Geraldine getting out and Darcy from uh, Thor coming back and learning this <laughs> um, all that stuff. So you did not get to see that part. you not you and I couldn't talk about it. So I kind of kept it quiet. Uh, so, yeah, Darcy from Thor's back. Awesome. It was great to see Kat Dennings um, and then Geraldine, who is Monica Rambeau. Um, for anyone that honestly may have missed it, if you're not following this closely online, if you did miss it for whatever reason, Monica Rambeau is the little girl from Captain Marvel. Oh, OK. If you didn't catch that, um, it's there's a there's a there's a uh, there's a line of dialogue in the opening of the you hear there's this line of dialogue at the very beginning of the episode where they talk about how she's trouble and if you remember from Captain Marvel, that's she was Captain Trouble or Officer Trouble or whatever. It was the nickname that Captain Marvel gave her when she was a little girl. So when you're like whatever happened to that girl, she grew up and became Monica Rambeau working at S.W.O.R.D. and so on. So if that helps.
0: That's um, awesome. Yeah, I yes. didn't realize that at all. I've so, only seen Captain Mar- Marvel once, though, so I think it right. just wasn't super uh, fresh in my mind. Well, but what also- were you saying?
1: Well, that also means that her mom died of cancer while she was snapped out of existence from Thanos. So because Monica Rambeau disappeared in the snapping and or the blip in the Marvel Universe, if that's what you want to call it. She got blipped. (laughs) And then um, it's not the blip. Let's be
0: real about this. It may be the blip on paper in that universe. But to us, it's the snapping. Uh-huh. People who say the blip are the same people who say Willis Tower. Let's, let's be real <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's a, that is a good point. Um, the, Some you know, little uh, Chicago humor for our yeah. listeners. Anyways, yeah. what you're saying. And if you live in Chicago, you know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> the,
1: uh, no, so Monica Rambeau's mother was the co-pilot of Captain Marvel when she was in the Air Force. All right. Oh. Just for connection and drawing purposes there. Um, but, yeah, so you got to see that episode. What do you think of that episode before we get into the big one?
0: Well, well, first of all, you were right. This was the horrible this was a horrible episode to not watch. But I actually do have uh, <laughs> like when it, well, I, I was ready to talk about it. and You're like, I'd missed it. I'm like, dude. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I can kind of comment on that, though, too, because the first three episodes. And like, I'm sorry to say, because I did enjoy aspects of them. I did feel like they were also a bit of a chore to get through. Um, I've expressed this on the show before that just some of the sitcom elements, like they were fun, but I just felt like it was a little too much. And I, I, it, it was a show that I was watching, but I wasn't looking forward to every week. With that being said, with episode four and five, this show is awesome. Like this, Once the once I saw both those episodes, which I actually watched back to back, which was pretty cool. Um, That that
1: is cool to watch those um, because you're you're now on
0: a juxtaposition of
1: seeing the sitcom world uh, juxtaposed with the what's happening outside of Westview, and uh, you have this other perspective. So yeah,
0: absolutely. And it was it was this thing where you watch episode four and. everything's explained like everything that has been going on so far makes sense by the end of episode four and then episode five, but episode four didn't feature a lot of Wanda and uh, the vision. It didn't really feature a lot of the sitcom elements. It was almost just like, um, Uh, What's her name? Monica Rambeau. Do I have that right? Uh, It's kind of like her backstory of how she's involved in it. And then all the answers about Wanda and Vision are kind of exposed through that. Um, But then once you get back to episode five, they bring the sitcom elements back in. But they kind of formulated that episode how I in a way that I've been wanting them to the whole season where there's kind of this perfect balance where you'll get you know, a couple minutes, like five minutes of sitcom stuff, but then you'll get a couple minutes of real world stuff. And it makes the sitcom stuff a lot more tolerable, in my opinion, and uh, just makes the show a lot more interesting and balanced in in general. And uh, it went from, like I said before, the show went from being somewhat of a chore to watch every week to being a show that I'm looking forward to every week and I'm really enjoying. And I kind of feel like is the m- most interesting thing marvel's done in a long time if i dare go that far with it so uh, I'm, um, gonna agree, I'm gonna agree with that statement right there um that's kind of my vague review of both those episodes but uh yeah what are you thinking well right now, as far as wandavision
1: goes the, the big one is that we now got this other world perspective of looking in from the outside and it's not And I like that it's not shield because shield shield was cool, but it really bugged me. And then when you found out shield was Hydra um, shield got cooler when you found out they were really Hydra, but they're still technically the bad guys. So now you have this other entity, which is very shield like, if you will, Um, the uh, having I loved how that episode started with Monica being brought back from the snap. Yes, um, I just loved how the reform, and I'm like, what's happening? And, and literally, it took a minute. Every time they show you something from the snap, it takes like the briefest couple seconds for your brain to go, "Oh my god, that's the result of Thanos." You know what I mean? Or yeah. oh, that was when the when the Hulk re snapped because you got to figure out how many fingers got snapped. Um, <laughs> that was because Monica Rambeau came back when the Hulk snapped his fingers. You got to keep that in mind. Yeah.
0: Well, that's- the thing is, when you see her come back, you still there's part of your brain that's still thinking about Wanda's little sitcom pocket universe. And you don't know if that's related to it for some, for some reason. So it did. T- it took me a second as well. when I'm like, Oh no, that's where she snapped back, which I actually really like that phrase snap a back. It's kind of like a snapback hat, but <laughs> it's way better than the blip. I'm just going to leave that out there. But uh, no, I, 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 that whole scene caught me off guard too. But, That's kind of why it was really good in a lot of ways, too. So, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Um, I don't. Sorry, I don't want to derail you. I don't know where you were going No, 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 uh, before. Um, And then what I liked about seeing from the other
1: side is because Darcy was watching the sitcom and they were realizing who was who, like because she had created this pocket universe. The people who lived in that area were becoming characters in the sitcom and she was adjusting things as they go and they're starting to realize things are not correct. When Darcy started realizing the glitches, the glitches in the show were happening when uh, Wanda was making a change Mm -hmm. in her perfect little world. And like I said, it's that issue of growing up with sitcom television and, you know, not having like access to current television and stuff. So the perfect little bubbles that we live in uh, within television, you know what I mean? Uh, So it was kind of nice. It was really cool to see it in that way um but then the big one and let's we'll jump to this right now is the big one at the end (laughs) of episode five when the first um, mutant was brought in uh to the picture and i want i don't want to use the term mutant yet because we don't know if we're using that term yet but uh, Monica brings not Monica. Wanda brings her brother Pietro back, so we get Quicksilver back into the picture. But it's not the Quicksilver we know—Quicksilver <laughs> from the X-Men franchise—and that was the big, big shocker. Um, I texted Bryn, our friend Bryn, right away, and I said, "Please tell me you watched this." And she goes, "No, I'm watching it in the morning because of whatever work." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay. And I'm like, <laughs> OK. And then I get taxed upon text upon text like in the morning. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, but the uh, but, yeah, she brings him back. And I love that line when Darcy says she just she just recast Pietro. Um, so I'm really curious to see what's going to happen now in the mutant front. I'm really curious what's going to happen now with the uh, um, X-Men front. And uh, we got a ride. We got. We have seven more episodes of this show. Um, so
0: can can I pose a you might you actually might have some more insight about this, but I was talking to some friends online about this episode and uh, we kind of had a weird question because we we're like, well, if she was going to bring her brother in the picture, why did she bring in an alternate version of him? And then my explanation, which I don't know if this is true, but I was like, Well, the MCU Quicksilver is dead and maybe Scarlet Witch can't bring people back from the dead. Like, obviously she couldn't with the dog. And so maybe... maybe that's why she brought in an alternate universe version of this character. And uh, the reason she was able to bring vision back is because he's actually technically a computer or, you know, however you want to describe it. And I just sure. kind of wanted your, to know if you had any insight on that or any thoughts. So
1: there's, there. a couple, there's, there's a couple things I can, there's a couple in pieces of insight that I can give you. And one of them is probably linked to contractual behind the scenes stuff. <laughs>
0: Right. Well, I just I was looking at it purely from a story standpoint, so just because you, I still want you, the story to make sense. You know, I'll
1: give you the story one first. So the story one, I totally agree with you with that statement. Um, but I also like the idea that Scarlet Witch is creating a pocket universe for her that needs to be perfect. So if she brings something into the universe. And it's the way she makes it to her. It's perfect. So even though it's not the uh, Quicksilver that we knew from Avengers Age of Ultron, it's her adjusted version of her brother because she wants the perfect universe to live in for herself.
0: Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I prefer the Evan Peters version of Quicksilver as well. I just didn't expect Scarlet Witch <laughs> to prefer that version. Well, I like <laughs> I loved how the X-Men handled
1: uh, uh, Quicksilver. So the Evan Peters version. But yeah, I really liked the between the two actors. I liked the other actor better. Just his. like Oh, really? Just his mentality and all that stuff, Um, like the like line deliveries and stuff. I just thought it was better. So. Um, I, it's kind of a taken, it's kind of a good and bad kind of thing, but it doesn't matter. We got Quicksilver back. It's a mutant specifically. It's, um, an X-Men connection specifically. You see what I'm saying? So, um, the other contractual side of the thing is that if you read comic books, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are X-Men and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are Avengers. So, When you had two competing companies at the time before Disney owned Fox, and they were X-Men movies and Avengers movies, what I think happened was, in terms of the meeting at the table, they said, all right, you can't have both. And both companies said, all right, you can use both, but one has to die on each side. And Marvel picked Scarlet Witch and – Uh, Fox picked uh, Quicksilver and they ran with it. So in Age of Ultron, Quicksilver was in the one movie and died. And then if you watch uh, the director's cut of um, Days of Future Past, you see Scarlet Witch, but she's only in it for the one movie and that's it. So it's kind of the we each got our like we each got our cake, basically. And when we run into this situation i bet it's a contractual thing where now that we have to enter we have to put the x men into the universe mm-hmm. we're going to go with this version specifically because we have to start bringing these characters in and this is a perfect gateway to do so so yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true in terms of my theory on that, but it sounds good and uh, it makes sense. And it made sense to me back in the day when I was trying to piece it all together anyway. So,
0: well, e- either way, that Quicksilver cameo is just it was so perfect. It caught me off guard um, when she opened the door. You knew some you know, some superhero or some important character we have seen before was going to be standing there, but you never expected it to be somebody from the X-Men movies. And it was just such a good cliffhanger and it just kind of, it was mind blowing and it was awesome. And, uh, I mean, this, not just this, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff, but obviously this is like, I still stand by what I said. This is the most interesting Uh, piece of entertainment that the mcu has done in a long time because i have no idea what to expect (laughs) and i didn't even know how far that went you know i didn't know it was going to go this far where we didn't know what to expect and we're at a point where anything goes with the show and i'm i am so excited for more episodes to come out
1: yeah i know me too and when i said there's uh when i said there's seven more episodes this is what everyone needs to understand is wandavision is 12 episodes but they're all half an hour each so that's six hours falcon and the winter soldier which is a great segue because we're about to talk about that (laughs) falcon and the winter soldier is six episodes each an hour okay so it's six hours do you see yeah same yeah yeah right so we're just like wow 12 seven more episodes of wandavision yeah, seven more episodes of WandaVision. So, um, well, at this point, it's going to be six because tomorrow night's episode six. So um, but uh, let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier real quick. We got a trailer that dropped.
0: Yes. Uh, what do you think of that trailer, man? Um, I watched it and it was one of those things where. I just kind of really appreciated the action from it. Um, as far as like plot points, I don't really know what the season's gonna be about, but it looks really awesome. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, plot points? Yes,
1: I'm not entirely sure what the story is. Uh, we know that Baron Zemo's the bad guy. He looks like Baron Zemo. Did anyone see that they ripped off the Dark Knight shot where the Joker's holding the mask on the street corner? And in the trailer, you see Baron Zemo holding his mask, just like the Joker on the street corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone else caught that, but I sure did. Um, but uh, yeah, so Baron Zemo's back. What was really great was seeing Emily Van Camp back as uh, Agent 13. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I loved seeing that. Um, the I loved the staring contest between the two guys. Uh, that was funny. Um, this looks like such a fun show and this looks like uh, a Marvel show that I've been waiting for. It also looks honestly a little violent for Disney plus, but, I can't, but then you stack it up against like, star Wars and the other Marvel movies, as long as it falls in line and it's consistent with what we've already known, it's fine. But then I was like, this is going on Disney plus, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> it made that, me that
0: is, that is true because there, there was a lot of, uh, like I said, my main uh, takeaway from this one was just the action. And there was a lot of just action and clips from fight sequences in this trailer. But uh, the thing was, uh, when you watch a lot of the fight sequence they showed, like people are throwing punches. And uh, I guess it's kind of a tribute to the sound editing, because those punches like you would hear them hit and they <laughs> sounded like they hurt. And that's kind of just what I was left with is just like. I, I get your point where you say it's like a little bit more brutal than you expected, but at the same time, it looks really fun. It I don't know if that it looks like it's going to be bloody, but it looks like there's going to just be a lot of badass action that we're in for. So I'm excited for that. Uh, the other aspect is um, and it's kind of a small thing, but I remember there was a really cool shot of uh It was just kind of this really cool shot of uh, the Falcon jumping off of a building or something and gliding towards the camera. And it just looked badass. And uh, I really like the Falcon. I think just any character who can fly really gets me excited. too. So (laughs) I'm excited for that. But uh, that's
1: part of your super that's part of your Superman complex.
0: Yeah, pretty Uh, much. (laughs)
1: uh, Real quick. uh, That's a good segue in the news, actually. Um, so we have the majority of the news tonight is Marvel. Um, but, uh, because I mentioned Superman, did you see, so we have a couple days and we get a new Snyder cut trailer.
0: Yes. Yeah. I've been seeing the hype. Um, but yeah, I mean, was there like a specific aspect of the story you wanted to mention or just, well,
1: did you see the new still image of Superman that got released? It's more of a gif than anything. But yeah,
0: with him. So it's black suit Superman just looking awesome with his, uh, you know, laser vision going or heat vision going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, And then I don't know if you also saw Zack Snyder released. It's on his Twitter and his Instagram. It is a video clip. So it's like he videotaped. He's got the video playing on his computer like he's doing an edit. And so you're watching this scene on the computer, but the camera is watching the computer, so it's really small and it's hard to see. But it's um, a video of Steppenwolf just decimating what I think are Amazonians, where um, and it's definitely like, yeah, we know we saw that a little bit in the weeden cut, but this is the um, this is to a level that you're like, why in the world did you cut this out kind of thing? Um, so,
0: yeah, so, so I saw people talking about that. Like, like I said, I've been seeing a lot of uh, hype for this trailer online, but uh, I haven't seen that specific clip, but I'm also, I'm still torn between how much do I want to go out of my way to see about the Snyder cut and how much do I just want to wait for it? You know, and so that's like like I'm definitely going to be watching this new trailer. But at the same time, I'm trying um, as hard as I can to not obsess about this movie because this is just something that we've been waiting for for so long. And I just kind of want it to come out and I kind of just want to enjoy it with as fresh of eyes as possible, because this is kind of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, like I'm treating it as my Christmas present to myself. Like I still want those surprises to be there, but I am just so excited in general and everything that I see coming out for the movie just looks really awesome. So Um, Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the clips or Uh, the screenshots that we've seen so far?
1: Well, we're about to get a trailer. I'll watch it once. I'll probably watch it twice, to be honest, and it'll be awesome. Um, Yeah, it's a four hour movie. So catching (laughs) catching a glimpse of Superman with his eye beams. the the shot The shot is awesome. Catching a glimpse of the Joker still that got released. The picture, the image looks awesome. It's not enough to, like, wreck any like expectations I have right now. Uh, yeah. Because, like that's still image of the Joker. That could just be like a poster image. It's completely out of context. There's no story there. There's no dialogue there. There's nothing to get me like any. Uh, there's no s- real spoiler unless that's an actual image from the movie. Um, do you do you think Superman the Joker? Image, am- oh, sorry. The Superman yeah. image that got released that like GIF is 100 percent out of context. So we don't have any clue what that's about. So it's not. It doesn't ruin anything for me. It's just a cool visual. So,
0: yeah. Do you think that the Joker image that's out, do you think it looks too close to to me? It looks a lot closer to the Heath Ledger version of Joker than I was expecting.
1: Um, I really don't know how to answer that just yet.
0: <laughs> OK, fair enough. And and I know it looks <laughs> like he's in a, at least from what I remember, it looked like he was in a cell or something like that. So maybe it's just this version of the Joker has been locked up for a while and stuff like that. And uh, so that's why his hair is super long and his makeup's messed up and stuff like that. But um, to me, I did appreciate as much as people like to hate on the uh, uh, Jared Leto version of the Joker, I did really appreciate that he had his own identity and he didn't resemble any other live action Joker that we've seen. So I kind of, uh, I kind of did appreciate, even though a lot of people hated it, like I did like the sort of, uh, the undercut haircut he had and like the tattoos and stuff, um, which didn't seem super apparent in this new image. So I just didn't know if you had any thought, thoughts about that. I do agree that it does look really cool. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him in this movie, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I, aside, I don't really have an opinion of what he like, cause he just looks awesome right now. That's what I got. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, and it, there's another there's a, there's that still image of Nightmare Batman in like that same similar hallway, and I don't know if someone on the internet did this or this is an actual thing that Snyder released, but it looks like. They did a someone did a thing where they took the Batman image and panned around Batman to see the Joker sitting on the other side of him like it's part of the nightmare sequence.
0: Oh, nice.
1: So if it is, that's cool. If not, like, you know what I mean? Like, I really don't know. Um, I'm just excited. I just can't wait. Like, we're getting real close. We're literally about a month away from the Snyder Cut. So. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk some news. Um, like I said, it's the majority of Mar. Actually, it's pretty much all Marvel. So. Yeah. Um, First off, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, since we talked about the trailer, um, it hits Disney Plus on March 19th. So I just wanted to bring up the date um, and the trailer is out. And if you go into Disney Plus, the trailer is yeah. attached to the
0: banner, the, head, the header at the top of the page. So, Is the that top. the same weekend as uh, Kong vs. <coughs> Godzilla? Or Godzilla versus Kong, however it's phrased. It could be. Yeah, I'm gonna watch yeah. both. So you know, like, <laughs> I mean that could be a pretty, pretty fun weekend is all I'm saying. <laughs> Falcon Soldier versus Kong and Godzilla. Hmm. Well just just <laughs> watching the movie and then going straight into the show, you know. It's just I yeah. might have to
1: take yeah, that's a good point. Um all right, so Black Widow, according to Disney CEO Bob Chapek, uh, they are still intended on releasing it in theaters. So as of right now, it is releasing May 7th. So I guess I'm going to have to brave uh, COVID to go see Black Widow. But it's okay because I got my vaccine tracker put in. So I should be fine.
0: Um, (laughs) Right. From I I haven't (laughs) been to a uh, movie theater since lockdown. But from what I've heard, they're pretty barren. Like people will go to movies and they'll be the only person in the audience. So it's honestly probably safer to go to a movie theater than, you know, a supermarket or something like that. So, right. Um, well, we got uh, two quotes for
1: Tom Holland uh, about Spider-Man. He kind of said some things about Spider-Man 3. So here's, oh, nice. uh, here's the first quote. Um, what's really funny about this is this, comes, this is with an interview with IGN. And IGN says Spider-Man 3 will uh, likely incorporate a multiverse featuring actors from different incarnations of the franchise, including Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Alfred Molina, and Jamie Foxx. Right. Right. We've we've talked about this heavily heavily because it's like they're doing a live action (laughs) version of the Spider-Verse. So listen to the two following quotes. Uh, Tom Holland says, I can say that in the next Spider-Man film is the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. You sit down, read the script and see what they're trying to do and they're succeeding. It's really impressive. I'm just as excited as everyone to be able to see it, let alone be a part of it. Awesome. Okay, that's good. Tom yeah. I'll be having some fun on Spider Man. This is the one that made. Me, <laughs> this is the one that made me chuckle. Um, no, no, they will not be appearing in this film unless they have hidden the most massive piece of information from me, which I think is too big of a secret for them to keep for me. But as of yet, I will. Um, it'll be a continuation of the Spider Man movies that we've been making, and that is his quote referring to Andrew Garfield and uh, <laughs> Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, he said they're not appearing in the film? According to Tom Holland, they're not. He says, and I quote, um, unless they're holding some, uh, unless they have hidden the most massive piece of information from me.
0: <laughs> so I thought that it was already confirmed, but maybe it's just been a rumor that those two were going to make an me, And
1: that makes me wonder if the internet has done what the internet does best and uh, has given us actually nothing to
0: talk about. But but at the same time, they've withheld information from Tom Holland before. Like I think there was a famous story about them not letting him know what happens. And uh, I don't know if it was infinity war and game because <laughs> yeah, they it, knew that Tom Holland would go on a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and spill the beans. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, um,
1: yeah. Tom Holland doesn't know how to keep secrets. So don't tell him anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a long-standing thing. So, um,
0: so it's kind of, this story could go either way to be this honest. This story
1: could go either way. And like I said, the internet is doing what the internet does best. Um, all right. So here's the rough one. And this is Star Wars news. And then we can roll into the list because it's all that's left because there's kind of a light week. Yeah. Um, Gina Carano, who plays uh, Cara Dune in The Mandalorian, has been let go from Disney and will no longer be in The Mandalorian. Um, this has gotten uh, this is really interesting. So. So let me read this to you. After a ba- after a backlash to social media post shared by Carano that compared modern American politics to Nazi Germany, mocked the use of masks to prevent the spread of COVID, and propagated misinformation about voter fraud, Lucasfilm issued a statement distancing the studio from the actress and condemning her posts. Uh, Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm, and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Um,
0: yep. Yeah, um, I have like a couple. I mean, obviously, we don't talk about politics on this podcast. So it's this is a hard topic to talk about. And I have a couple weird thoughts about this one. One is like Gina Carano's uh, social media presence has been pretty controversial for a while um, just because of her things she's either posted or argued with people about. And there's a weird part of me that feels like Disney or Lucasfilm has been wanting to let her go, but just the timing was right here where yes, like people disagreed with some of her posts, but also like this season of the Mandalorian's over. And so it's not going to cause as big of a deal if they fire her now and stuff. And so I'm kind of, to me, I kind of wonder if this is just more of the straw that broke the camel's back as opposed to focusing specifically on the posts that she made most recently. You know what I mean? Yep. And that might be, and I might be looking into things too far there, but that's just kind of one thing that I was thinking about. Um, the other thing I keep thinking about is uh, Disney fired James Gunn and uh, isn't he going to be working with them again on guardians yeah. of the galaxy three. Yes. So at this point, I feel like Gina Carano might be fired now, but who knows? She might get rehired. You know, it's kind of it's almost based yeah. more on the <laughs> fan, um, how the fans react to this. I think I don't know what your thoughts are there. But uh,
1: I totally agree with you there. And um, we'll this is kind of a time's going to tell situation. Um, and they didn't. And I felt that. um So there was an interview with Gina Carano around the time that Mandalorian season two aired and she had in her verbal remarks, everything she was saying was past tense. Like I really enjoyed working on the project and it was something I was grateful to be a part of and that kind of thing. Like the words that were coming out of her mouth were past tense enough that made me think that she was going to die in season two. Oh, okay. And she didn't. Um, But They didn't leave her character in a position where if we don't ever see her character again, it's not uh, like the most depressing thing. You know what I mean? Like the character could disappear into the folds of the universe. So while they hash this out, if we don't see her for a season, it's not going to be that big of a deal uh, story wise. Um, So,
0: yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. And I kind of. they kind of were at a point where, yeah, they could bring her character in and make her like a huge part of this show, or you know, the story as it goes on. But they, it also just kind of leave her. You know, she joined the resistance, and that's just kind of where we're leaving it. And that would be okay as well. So, yeah, it like you said, it's just time will tell. So, right, right, all right. Well, um, it's sad,
1: but it's also like, well, let's see what happens, and let's roll with it for now. Um, But that kind of brings us to the end of the news. Uh, So you ready to talk the list? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, All right. Well, Ryan, it is list time. So do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right um so peter this is my list um so let me give you a quick explanation because in case you didn't listen last week um i really like voice acting i like cartoons we've you know it's i'm not, i'm no shy to the fact that i like animation um but i wanted to be a little bit niche on this one because there's saturday morning cartoons and stuff i kind of really wanted to make you do some homework so um <laughs> uh we are looking at uh Top five Cartoon Network original television shows, um, which is really interesting when you actually kind of dive into what was Cartoon Network originals. So, um, yeah, it's a little it's it's strange, but uh, it works itself out, if you will. Um, Yeah, for sure. So um, and I only say that because, you know, you're going to you you brought up a couple cartoons last week that I was like, nope that wasn't a Cartoon Network original. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know if you had trouble putting this list together. I found it a little bit easier than I thought I was going to. So, um,
0: no, I, I actually felt exactly the same way because when I started looking at the list of cartoon network, original shows, there was a certain, there's like some that just stood out to me so much where I was just like, Oh man, I forgot about that show. But I loved it so much; like it has to make my list. So this was a really fun one to put together, but like you said, it was a little bit easier than I expected overall. So,
1: right. Well, how many? Do you have any honorable mentions? I do actually. Do you? I have two.
0: Okay, nice. So I guess I can get started with the first one then. Okay, so the first one I wanted to mention is. Secret Mountain Fort Awesome. <laughs> Do you know the show at all? I uh, no. <laughs> OK, so yes, it's a uh, secret mountain fort. Awesome. Because uh, yeah. I know you're typing it down. So this was a show that
1: um, and it's kind fantastic. of fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like one of those things where I don't remember a ton of what it's about because I mostly liked the show for aesthetic purposes. But it was basically about a bunch of monsters that lived together. And uh, they just kind of I can't remember if it was like a superhero thing where they would fight villains and stuff, or if it was just kind of more of a comedy thing where they would, you know, have some ridiculous plot they would try to achieve every episode. But it was basically it was drawn in that sort of Ren and Stimpy style, like really gross out looking, you know, cartoon style. And it was just a group of monsters that looked really crazy and did a lot of weird, gross things. And uh, I think that's just why I liked this, this movie or this show came out while I was in college. um, And I was an art major in college and my art was actually pretty similar to the show where it was a lot of, I draw and paint a lot of really weird, gross monster looking things. So it's kind of just a show that I went to for aesthetic inspiration and it was funny and stuff, but it was, Again, this was more of just an aesthetic choice. So this I think the show is only around for like one season. So if you want, like if this sounds like something that'd be cool for you, check it out. Otherwise, you know, you're probably not missing much if it's not your kind of thing. So (laughs) I don't know if I have much to say about it other than that. Um, I don't know enough about it
1: to really. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, no, I hear you. Um, So my first honorable mention then is Robot Chicken. Oh, nice! Um, I know it's kind of an adult. Uh, it falls under the adult swim category in a way. But Robot Chicken, if you don't know the show, um, it it's the full run is on HBO Max. It is worth checking out. It's basically uh, Seth Green and uh, Breckin Meyer and his crew basically put together. The best way to describe it is a stop motion or claymation kind of uh, cartoons using action figures and toys. And they are like some of the funniest things you'll ever see because they're quick clips. Like each clip is about ten seconds, and it's just really fast paced. Just it's almost like scrolling through a TikTok, but you know what I mean. Like it's just, um, it's just real quick blurbs. And I wonder if TikTok got their whole platform off of like Robot Chicken.
0: Um, Robot right. Chicken is the TikTok of adult animated. Yeah, stories, and they've,
1: they've done they've done great stuff with like they've done really funny Star Wars parodies and comic book parodies. But then they like go deep diving and they'll do like a horror movie thing, and or they'll do like the real world. They'll they'll spoof the real world from MTV and have it with the. Uh, Halloween characters like Freddy and Jason and Mike Myers in the house and stuff. Um, and they do just really bizarre takes on things. And it's really funny and it makes you laugh for a few minutes and then you kind of go on with your life. So, uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like, uh, well, one thing I was going to say is Robot Chicken, first of all, is great. But, uh, yeah, a lot of their stuff had like such a. Um, pop culture angle to it. And I don't know if it's because they were doing stop motion animation with action figures. So they had, you know, they had he man and the star Wars characters and they had all these, different pop culture characters at their disposal, but then it also might've just been that, you know, knowing Seth green and I don't know too much about Breckin Myers fandom, but it seems like they probably just wanted to make jokes about this stuff anyways. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely a great show. Um, I think the star Wars stuff was always my favorite, but they had just a lot of really, really funny jokes. So I definitely, definitely agree with this pick. Um, yeah. So what's your next honorable mention? Yeah. So my next honorable mention is adventure time. Um, so adventure time. I've
1: seen, I've seen a little bit of the show, but not much. So,
0: oh, interesting. Okay. So I have, uh, one, I have one friend who adventure time is one of his like top five favorite shows. And I'm not that level, but I do appreciate the show a lot. Um, I think it's a, The show had a really unique sort of uh, design aesthetic, which I really liked. And it's also a show that there's like this famous saying, I feel like it's John Chris Felusi who did uh, Ren and Stimpy had the saying that I can't remember exactly how it goes, but the effect is if something's animated, it needs a reason to be animated. Like you don't want to watch just animated characters sitting around and talking. These characters need to take actions and they need to do things. There needs to be a reason why we're drawing them frame by frame. And I think adventure time does that really well, where there's a purpose to it being animated and fantastical and the characters are doing really crazy things. Uh, one really cool aspect of the show that I'd kind of want to point out to you, Drew, because I don't know if you know about this since you said you haven't watched it a lot. There's a weird sort of. So you watch Adventure Time and it seems like it takes place in a medieval fantasy world. No, it's except a, the apocalypse. OK, so you did know about this. Okay, I did that's know awesome. this. And I think it's the most fascinating part about the show. So. Absolutely. That's that's probably my favorite part of the show, too, is like it seems like it's medieval fantasy. But, you know, Jake and Finn have a Game Boy and there's other bits of modern uh, technology that come into play here and there. And you realize that they're living in a post-apocalyptic world where the majority of technology is gone and it kind of has just became this medieval fantasy world. And uh, if you watch enough of the show, you start to know You start to notice like little cryptic clues that point this out. Like, I remember there's one episode where Jake and Finn are talking about something and they mention the Great Mushroom War. Yeah. Which to me sounds like. Bring up too. Yeah. And to me, that sounds very um, atomic, you know, atomic warfare, like mushroom clouds going off all over the place and causing. Crazy. And, you know, the radiation probably caused crazy creatures and mutants and wizards and stuff to come about. And it's a really, really neat sort of subtle uh, aspect of the setting that they put into the show that I just love. So, yeah, uh, that's,
1: the one, that's the one I was going to bring up, too, was the mushroom war. So
0: absolutely. Um But, yeah, overall, just like really funny show. I think overall it's really great. I watched a ton of it when it first came out. So, yeah. Adventure time. (laughs) Um,
1: All right. Well, my next one is Dexter's Laboratory. Awesome. Um, And this is one. And the show is really fun. It's really basically like this kid scientist has his lab and um, the torment with his sister and stuff like that. My favorite part about the show was the kid's voice. And I always, (laughs) always wanted to be able to mimic that voice because it was just amazing. Um, and I feel like I should go back to trying to figure that out because I really got into voice acting and being able, there's a couple of voices in the realm of animation that I always wanted to be able to mimic. And that was Dexter, uh, from Dexter's laboratory and, uh, the brain from Animaniacs. Um, uh, so
0: yeah, Dexter is an interesting one cause he has that sort of weird, there's like that weird high pitched raspiness to his voice, but he also has that accent that's almost like a Eastern European accent or something. I'm not really sure where it's from, but it's, a uh, it's really interesting. And I always thought it was funny that like, like his sister Dee, Dee just sounds like an American girl <laughs> but for some reason. Dexter has this like subtle accent to him, but, uh, no, this show is really great. I think it's really funny. It's definitely one of the sort of classic cartoon network shows. Um, and I just love, Being, like, people who are into, like, nerdy stuff, like, whether that be superheroes or fantasy and stuff like that, or just, like, the science nerd aspect, there was, like, tons of stuff like that in Dexter's lab. Um, One of the episodes that really comes to mind for me is there was an episode where they were playing... they were playing Dungeons and Dragons, but it wasn't called d It was called Monsters and Mazes, from what I remember. But there was just a ton of, like, you know, nerdy pop culture bits in that show, which I always appreciated. So definitely great pick.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, man. Uh, first actual pick of the night.
0: <laughs> so my first actual pick is actually Dexter's Laboratory. Nice. <laughs> so there you go.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. So let me...
0: I guess that rolls
1: back to me because unless you have
0: something else you want to add about Dexter's lab. No, I pretty much said it all. It's just it was just a really good cartoon it was a ton of fun. And one of the classics for sure. Yeah, definitely. One of the classics and classic
1: meaning like that, like classic level. Uh, So it's like an older cartoon, but I I really do feel like it holds up. Uh, Mm. So my first actual pick of the night is The Kids Next Door. Oh, nice! This show is awesome. This this show is awesome, and the I think the very first episode I saw the, of the Kids Next Door, where I realized because before to me it was always just the Kids Next Door, it was the funny <laughs> kids cartoon that kind of thing, and I kind of ignored it. And <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I kind of yeah. ignored. It. I was I was like, you know, give me something else. And I think it came out at the time where I was a little bit older, so I didn't really care. But what caught my attention was there was an episode. Where and like each episode was a mission, uh, so it's basically the kids have the treehouse and they're in there and they have their mission, um, and it's all done like a uh, spy thriller. Yeah. Um, but each mission is a each episode title is an acronym, <laughs> um, which I thought was always brilliant. So each episode's an acronym, and then you'd have your mission. And I I, sh- I totally should have pulled up one of the um, kids next door acronyms, so um, while we're talking, but. Uh, The episode that really caught my attention was um, it was one about adults and the story behind why we have adults in the world Um, and where adults and adults were originally created to be slaves for the children um, to the the kids. The kids actually ruled the planet, but they didn't want to do the mundane things like mowing the lawn or grocery shopping. So they created adults to do these things that they didn't want to do it was such a brilliant uh, episode just on the social commentary aspect of things. So um, yeah. Uh, let me look yeah. this up. Do you have anything to say about kids next door?
0: Um, it didn't make my list. It did make my short list. And I really like the show. Um, the one aspect I always really liked is uh, how you pointed out. They did meet up in a, in a tree house and that was kind of the, like their secret base. And, you know, they had all this like weird spy <laughs> tech, but The whole whole show had that sort of DIY kids sort of aesthetic where it was, yeah, they're they have a secret base, but it's a tree house and stuff. And I just I remember watching the show and which wishing it was a show that came out when I was a kid, because I think that would have just made it that much more better because I would watch the show and it would probably inform the way that I would, you know, Play pretend when I would like pretend to be a spy and stuff. So I just think conceptually they just had a re- lot of really cool aspects like that in there. So uh, yeah, definitely great pick though. I didn't know about the episode names all being acronyms. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually really I cool. An acronym,
1: I want to see if I can pull up one of them. Uh, I'm trying to. Find, I really want to find at least. Uh... Okay, so the very first episode of season one was titled Operation I Scream, uh, <laughs> which nice, which the acronym was important. Steel, creamy, refrigerated edibles. Avoid meltdown. Nice. Um, The second part of the episode, like it's always two episode, two stories in one episode. So the second part was Operation Cannon Cannon and Napalm not occurring normally was the acronym. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was always something weird. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Or like Operation uh, uh, Operation Pirate. Pirates invade repository and treats extracted. Um, or I love it. Um, or operate, <laughs> Operation Cowgirl. Crazy old woman goes increasingly uh, really loco. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, just. It was it was goofy stuff and it really made me um, and this one's perfect because it's winter time. It is uh, Operation Arctic and really cold. That is certain. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Nice. Um, Yeah. So Kids Next Door, such a cool, such a cool cartoon. So what's your uh, next one? Unless we matched.
0: No, we didn't match on that one. Uh, My next pick that I wanted to talk about is Courage (laughs) Oh, sorry, okay. what? No, I,
1: no I, do, I do think we're going to match a little bit. So,
0: Yeah, uh, the next one I picked is Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, I, it's hard to know where to start with this one, but I love this show. Uh, this is possibly one of the Cartoon Network shows that I've watched the most of, and I don't know if that's just because it was on a lot or not, but I remember discovering this show. I feel like I was in middle school, but... <laughs> And it might be sad to say, but well into high school, I watched this show a lot because Courage the Cowardly Dog at face value. It's about this dog that lives with these two old people in the middle of nowhere. And it just seems kind of it seems maybe more innocent. But when it comes down to it, every episode is kind of like this really weird horror scenario about some sort of weird like alien invades and wants to like abduct the uh older uh, lady and uh, man that courage lives with. I believe their names were Mildred and Eustace, but uh, yeah, it'd be like an alien would invade or some weird vampire would be, have would have some crazy plot and courage is a dog. That's afraid of every, everything, but he, has to try desperately to fight off all these monsters that are trying to take over his house and his owners and stuff. And uh, it's just a really it's one of those shows that has like this really sort of practical humor where courage is always really... Um, suspicious of these random uh, people and monsters and stuff that try to uh, get the best of him and his owners. But Eustace, for example, who's like the ma- the man who own- who's his owner, is always skeptical of it. <laughs> you know? He's just stupid dog. Shut up. There's nothing to worry about here. And I just always loved that dichotomy. Like it led. It's kind of a joke that they played out in every episode, but it was just kind of always funny. That just eustace was such an idiot that he didn't know what was going on and uh, i remember the old lady just being like way too nice for her own good and just that always getting them into trouble as well but this was just a show i think it was the horror elements that i loved a lot as well as just the animation and the character design i thought was really cool i think courage has a really cool design where he was uh you know a definitely not a natural dog color and how he had like the one big tooth with a giant hole in it was kind of a cool design uh, aspect as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know too much else what to say. I don't know if you watched courage at all drew, but I I, really enjoyed the show a lot. (laughs) I watched courage very little.
1: Um, and I believe that, uh, our friend Bryn, uh, is the same with you on that one she loves this show yeah uh, or at least watched a lot of it um so i'd have to check with her but she's probably listening to the show going yes i love that show
0: so, yeah no it, it was great and i also i also thought it was funny because i there's a lot of Similarities with the show and uh, Scooby Doo, as far as like a dog that's really afraid of stuff going up against a bunch of monsters and weirdness and stuff. So I just thought that was kind of a funny little tidbit. But yeah, no, this show is great. Um, if you haven't watched it, I think you should definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have anything more to say or if you want to move on I to your next one. I don't because I don't know
1: that show as well. So uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the next one I had on my list was uh, Samurai Jack.
0: Nice. We matched on this one for sure.
1: Um, So Samurai Jack, uh, the best the way you describe the show is there's a samurai. His name's Jack. Um, He got he was battling the evil demon Aku in the past and got thrust through a time warp into the future. Like so far distant future, you know, flying cars, spaceships, aliens, that kind of stuff. And he's doing everything he can to get back to the past to save his family uh, and stop the demon Aku, and he has a magical sword that specifically can injure the demon. Um, So the show basically just follows his quest, um, trying to get back to his family and his home. Um, The... Uh, the art style in this and you can talk a lot more about the art style but the art style is incredible and I'm going to stop there on the art because I'm going to let you handle it um, (laughs) in terms of like the art choice and stuff like that. The uh, in terms of like the storytelling something I loved about it is you'd have these really insanely funny episodes and then you'd have these like really intense action episodes where you're like at the edges and then you'd have these like really somber serious ones. You know what I mean? It was just It was this crazy blend on how this all puts on how it was all put together. Um, And I just I really admire the show for that. Um, So, yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, this is um, it's hard to know where to start with the show, but it is really good. Um, Since you were talking about the art, the art style, um, what I really love about the art style of Samurai Jack is it felt In a way, it felt really close to the other Cartoon Network shows that premiered around the same time. Like, we already talked about Dexter's Laboratory, but there was also, like, the Powerpuff Girls and Johnny Bravo and a bunch of other ones. And they used to call them Cartoon Cartoons, so that's what they would call them on the commercial. Like, check out the newest Cartoon Cartoon, and it was this Cartoon Network style where the characters had it was a really simple animation or art style, but the characters all had this really thick sort of outline to themselves. And that was kind of, in my opinion, the main characteristic was it was a little bit geometric, but all the characters had really thick outlines and it kind of really was a really recognizable style in the early two thousands or whenever all this was going down. And Samurai Jack had that, a similar style, like really thick, outlines around the characters but the thing that set samurai jack apart was it just was so cinematic like i remember watching episodes of the show and just it was just jaw-dropping how how much the show felt like a movie at some points like certain parts of the show like you said they'd there'd be really somber serious parts or really action-packed stars parts but I remember the way it was storyboarded and the way it was animated. It just felt like a movie kind of in the same way that like Batman, the animated series feels like a movie at certain parts. Like this show really tackled this sort of really cinematic approach to this really cartoony style. And I feel like they were the first ones to do it. And it's just a beautiful, beautifully animated show. Um, Otherwise, I do agree with everything you said about the show's subject matter. Like it was uh, super serious and super cool, but it also could handle really funny stuff as well. Um, Another aspect of the show that I always loved is since Samurai Jack uh, went to the future, you know, he time traveled to the future the majority of his foes ended up being robots. (laughs) So he would like decapitate a character or a monster or something. And they were always robots. And I used to be like, why are they all robots? Like that's kind of weird, but you end up realizing it's because if they weren't robots, the show would be way too violent. (laughs) To be on Cartoon Network, and when I realized that, I was just like, That was just such a genius choice. And I wonder if that's why the show takes place in the future is just because they wanted to make it that violent, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I totally agree with you on that one, um, in terms of like the uh, uh, the violence and stuff. And that's why I think it helps when you run into shows like the Clone Wars or like the Star Wars prequels, and the main bad guys are all robots, yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So
0: the other thing I can say in this, I could keep it short, but there's uh, if you compare Samurai Jack to other Cartoon Network originals that came out around the same time, like I mentioned, you know, Dexter's Laboratory or Powerpuff Girls and stuff. Samurai Jack also had a very um, a very like a much more sophisticated and subtle color template, I would say, where. The colors used in the show were very added to that cinematic feel, and they had much more of a serious tone instead of being sort of a, you know, a lot of really bright, ridiculous, cartoony colors. They were actually really subtle, a lot of sort of, you know, sepia and earthy tones and stuff like that. So I think that also lended to how seriously you could take this cartoon, you know? Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs)
1: he, <laughs> um, and then well Gandhi Tardoskowski would then later go on and do the, uh, Clone Wars shorts, which then that art style would be turned into what we know now today as the Clone Wars. Um, so.
0: Absolutely. And he's got such it. a cool, he's got a, such a cool art style. Um, I remember watching the Clone Wars shorts a long time ago, but it's been so long. I think I need to rewatch them, but he also, I could be wrong, but I think he was behind the most recent iteration of the Ninja Turtles, which I haven't watched. But I think the style is really cool and I really want to go actually watch that. I just haven't. I don't know. I haven't seen it streaming anywhere and just haven't had the chance to watch it yet. But yeah, yeah, definitely a really cool animator and director and whatnot. So,
1: yeah, very, very much so. Um, Oh, you matched with me. So I guess it rolls back to me. So (laughs) um, my next one for the night is regular show. Oh, we, we matched again. (laughs) Oh, This show is just absolutely phenomenal. um, On many, many levels. Um, This show starts, what drew me to the show first is I was working at a park district at the time that I discovered the show. And so the characters all exist in a park they, they all work at a park district. So, but the show starts and Oh, Mordecai is another character. I wish I could do the voice of, Um, but uh, yeah, this is a show where basically you have like these weird characters and they all like, they go to work. So like every day starts off as this, normal everyday kind of mundane thing where it's like, they go to work, their boss gives them some, you know, gives them some stuff to do. They go and work and that kind of stuff. And then about the middle of the episode, even though you're still laughing at it because there's some weird stuff that happens every episode, the show gets even weirder. Yeah, and a complete crazy sci fi, maybe horror, maybe action adventure, maybe it's time travel, maybe it's jumping into outer space, maybe it's like interdimensional demons. Like it's crazy how like it suddenly twists. Uh, the mm-hmm. first episode that I saw that really caught my attention uh, was the episode where they were having a geese problem in the park. Um, and they send the two guys to go deal with the geese problem, but the geese are basically bullies and walking around beating people up for their (laughs) picnics and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're just like, like, yeah, totally. It's bizarrely, it becomes a social commentary on geese. Um, um, and it's just the show, it was such a brilliantly, brilliantly written show. Um, and I ended up watching the entirety of it. Um, if anyone wants to watch and anyone wants to check it out. The entire run is up on HBO max. So, um,
0: well, I need to go watch that now. Um, this show, (laughs) this show is just awesome. And like you said, it's the sort of the setting of the show seems so mundane because it's just a bunch of random characters who, albeit they're like anthropomorphic animals or different objects, like how the uh, the boss is like gumball machine and stuff. It's super goofy. But the plot does seem pretty mundane. You know, it's a bunch of people who work at a park district, but it always takes the turn to that weird sci fi just bizarreness by the time you get to the end of the show. But at the same time, the show is I always thought of it as like the slacker comedy TV show that I always wanted, but just never got until the show came out. Like if you watch the show, it feels like obviously there's really clean language and subject matter, but it feels like this sort of workaholics level, sort of like slacker comedy when it comes to the dialogue between Mordecai and Rigby, like it's just, it's really good. And like, I feel like people might've skipped out on it because you know, it's a cartoon and stuff, but if you're into slacker comedy, I think this show is just really hilarious. And I think Mordecai and Rigby are really relatable characters. And I love them both. Um, One thing I was going to mention is, have you ever seen the summertime Lovin' episode of the show? Um, Maybe it's so I can't remember exactly the scenario, but basically they find it's something where they get a cassette tape stuck in a boombox, and is playing this song called summertime lovin and i'm not going to sing it because i'm not a good singer but basically the lyrics are just summertime lovin lovin in the summertime just over and <laughs> over again and it's like this this goofy like ridiculously catchy awesome. pop song that's just playing over and over but eventually by the end of the episode the song like manifests itself into this weird like anthropomorphic cassette player person who's just running around with a boombox playing this song everywhere. And the way they have to co- combat it is uh, Mordecai and Rigby have to write an even dumber, even more catchy song to like defeat this like other, you know, personified catchy song that came out. So the song they write is just basically like this chant with like a beat behind it, but it's just, ah, snap. Oh, snap, come to my macaroni party and we'll take a nap. And it's just that over and over again. <laughs> so the reason I bring up this episode, though, is because one year at uh, Anime Central in Chicago, um, I actually ran, ran into somebody who is cosplaying as the giant summertime love-in cassette tape person. <laughs> so I ran into this guy who was running around with a boom box playing that song. And he was a giant cassette tape wearing like sunglasses, just like in the episode. And it was really hilarious. And I was just like, you know, shouted at the guy like, yeah, that's awesome. And like gave him a high five sort of thing. And all my friends that I was with were just like, what just happened? Cause they had no idea what was going on, but it was just an amazing moment. And uh, yeah, there just needs to be more regular show cosplays out there is all i have to say
1: um yes uh (laughs) everyone everyone got your fire up your HBO mask go check out hbo max go check out regular show Mm. um i guess that throws it back to me then huh yeah um all right so my next one is the clone wars is
0: this your final pick
1: nope um this is my second to last pick
0: oh okay
1: yeah so and which makes you go but
0: i'm trying to figure out how that happened
1: well we matched well my last honorable mention was dexter's lab which we matched and then we both had a couple and then i had samurai jack which you matched and then i had regular show which you matched yeah
0: well so are are you talking about the so are you talking about the 3d animated so i'm talking
1: about the one that's on disney plus now um as opposed to the genie tardikoski animated one
0: um the, well, so so we matched on this one, too, which I'll just put that out there. And I figured we did. Um, and it's, a <laughs> and not, not, and it's okay, probably a surprise to everyone
1: that Star Wars did not make my final pick. But you'll understand when we get to the last one. And you also have to understand it with um, this specific one. Um, Clone Wars was not a, you know, yes, it's a Disney owned property because they bought Lucasfilm. But at the time, they didn't own Lucasfilm. So it was specifically on uh, Cartoon Network and it was uh, and it was sold to Cartoon Network because no other studio wanted it because they didn't understand what it was and then it started winning Emmys and became this massive, massive thing and now you're watching The Mandalorian and you have people like me going, remember when I told you to watch The Clone Wars and now you guys are all asking me questions because you didn't watch The Clone Wars? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot more important than you think it is, um, which makes it such a wonderful show. But the animation is amazing. Um, The character design is amazing. The art style is amazing. The um, the deep dive into the lore when you put Dave Filoni behind the wheel and take, you know, this is this is like the last Star Wars that George made, basically. Um, And it's got and you can tell that it's got George's stamp all over it. Um, So. Yeah. Did you want to add anything on that, or yeah, yeah? Well, we well, talk, first we of talk all about say... we talk about Star Wars a lot, so <laughs> um, and we're well, going to for... continue to talk about Star Wars. So, and we got because we got Bad Batch coming, which is an extension, which is basically an extension of the Clone Wars cartoon. We're going to be talking about it more and more. So, I don't want to go too heavily on Clone Wars because because we talk about Star Wars so much, it comes up a lot. Um, yeah. But it's a show that even the most hesitant Star Wars fan. I understand season one can be a little bit um, I don't want to say you're going to have to muscle through season one. That's not the case. But season one, it's clearly where they're trying to figure out the legs of the show, like what the show is. Because after that, that's when they start getting into the actual arcs, um, actual story, like multiple episode story arcs and stuff, which become such phenomenal pieces. Um, So, yeah, go ahead, man.
0: Yeah. So, well, first of all, sorry, I felt like I was interrupting you a lot there for a second. And uh, I realized I was confused because this is my final pick. But I realized that's because for some reason, halfway through our list, I thought this was my list that I picked and it wasn't. (laughs) So that's why I'm realizing, Okay, yeah, Drew's going last, of course. Uh, So sorry, that was just a stupid uh, brain fart of mine. But uh, Clone Wars, this is a show that. I haven't, I haven't watched all of this show. Um, I've tried, I've, so I, I, tried to start it and I had a trouble getting through season one and I've heard that the show gets a lot better after season one. So I need to get back to it. But what I have done with this show is I've watched specific sort of story arcs within the show that I've absolutely loved. And uh, this isn't, I knew Drew, I knew you were going to save this towards the end. So that's kind of why I saved it instead of talking about it earlier. But this is a show where I remember when I was hearing like, oh, Darth Maul's coming back and he's going to be on. The- Actually, before even that, it was Darth Maul's brother, Savage Press is going to be on the show. I need to watch this. So I started watching it and then Darth Maul came back and it's like, this is amazing. And then I remember watching uh, the Mortis episodes because that was just like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you have to watch these episodes because they're so important on the sort of macro scale of the star wars universe like you need to watch this so i remember watching those episodes and there were so many awesome episodes and it's one of those things i really need to go back and watch this show the whole way through and it's on disney plus so there's really no excuse i guess i just need to be in a big star wars mood but i this show is really great um in the way we were talking about Samurai Jack, this show pulls off some very cinematic things. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what else to say. It's just a, it's just a really good show overall. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um,
1: You, so, and I'm going to say this is that clone, clone wars, and then, you know, you'd watch the respective movies and stuff in a chronological order, but then you roll into rebels and I've been kind of, Watching more with Rebels, um, I'm almost done with it in terms of a rewatch, and I'm appreciating it much more than I did the first time through. Uh, the animation style is a little different, but it's an, a lot of it becomes extensions of stories that you picked up from Clone Wars, and characters carry over and stuff. And I should have, you know, I should have given the show a little bit more attention when it was on regular television. But take the commercials out of it. I think the commercials really just killed me. Like when I was wa- trying to watch it, because now you're watching it on Disney, and you're getting a lot of like regular Disney cartoons like, yeah commercials and stuff in the middle of star wars and you're like can you just stay with the show please um, <laughs> so yeah it was a completely different uh mentality but i'm appreciating that show much more and when you mentioned darth maul you actually get the actual fate of darth maul at least i like to think it's the actual fate of darth maul in rebels so um so that story from clone wars carries over um which is cool um yeah, so that kind of brings us to my final pick of the night, which will bring us to the end of the episode. Um, and I'm surprised this didn't come up on your list. Um, and that's Justice League Unlimited. Um, oh, nice. OK. The uh, because I'm such a massive fan of the Batman animated series. um Batman the Animated Series is the cornerstone of what became this, like, massive DC animated projects list, I guess you could call it, Um, where it went Batman the Animated Series, which spawned Superman the Animated Series, which turned into Batman Beyond, which you got Justice League, and then Justice League became Justice League Unlimited. And it was basically Unlimited, meaning yeah you had your basic justice league characters which is great well we're basically opening up the dc vault and we're letting him play with every single character humanly possible in the dc universe go tell stories here you go um mm-hmm. the episodes are amazing it follows this it's it's the bruce tim artwork it's the um it's the writers and stuff from that place um in, in terms of that place and time um And it just it puts together this like great ensemble cast, this great ensemble of characters. Um, There are wonderful, wonderful episodes in there where there's some funny ones in there. It's not meant to be a comedy, but there's some funny ones in there. But then there's also, you know, some very serious stuff. And you get to these wonderful comic book moments that, you know, to this day still give me chills uh, when the episodes come up. And all of it justice league justice league unlimited have been added to hbo max so um (laughs) and i'm not trying to pump hbo max but they keep like adding content and it's basically the we're going to pull all that content from the dc app that's now a comic reader and put it over here and i've been kind of waiting for some of that stuff to hit i had heard that the justice league unlimited was going to land on hbo max the same date as the snyder cut um which would have been completely fitting uh but they didn't do that so that's all right Um, yeah anything you wanted to add on the show
0: well i didn't realize that this was a cartoon network original um i think because and correct me if i'm wrong but i think batman of the animated series was fox uh or fox kids put that out and i think and i don't know if it moved to like the wb at one point or something um i honestly can't remember but uh, yeah, for some reason, I just didn't realize this was a Cartoon Network original show. Um, with that being said, this is obviously a great show. I don't, I still don't know if it would make my final list, but it's Justice League Unlimited is awesome. Like you said, there was uh, – what's that? The,
1: re- the reason it's Unlimited is because Justice League – so it goes Batman animated, Superman animated, Justice League. And yeah. then Justice League Unlimited was a separate show that basically took all of the other ones – and became Justice League Unlimited on Cartoon Network.
0: Okay. So right like, well,
1: does that that's why that one is specifically Cartoon Network original. Everything else was part of that other uh, lineup.
0: And I always understood it as because it's unlimited, like you were kind of getting at, any character can show up. And in fact, we're going to be dealing with like not just the main 7 Justice League members. We're dealing with the expanse of the DC comics. Library of characters where just anybody can show up and I just I always loved that. But I also felt um, with the show, I always felt that the action sequences kind of ramped things up up a notch where um, I've heard people compare the action scenes scenes in Justice League Unlimited to um, I guess in quotes like destruction porn, as people refer refer to a lot of action movies with like huge explosions and falling buildings and stuff, <laughs> kind of like the end of Man of Steel. And I know some people don't like that, but I love destruction porn. I love. I mean, if superheroes are going to fight, I want to see buildings get knocked down and collateral Ritch. damage. Not necessarily human life collab- collateral damage, but the idea of like you know, big destruction coming to city blocks and stuff. I always think is really fun to watch. So
1: let let me put it into these terms. If you watch any superhero cartoon, doesn't matter if you're DC or Marvel superhero cartoon, and then go watch a DC or Marvel film, there is plenty of destruction porn on both fronts. And if you read and if you take those visual, um, Uh, In motion, I guess, stories and go back and look at the source material, the actual comic books. There's tons of it. So for people to get bent out of shape about Man of Steel and how that went down versus the destruction porn and Avengers, the first movie or however you want to word it. uh, You guys really need to go back and look at the source material because this all came from somewhere specific and all of it's from the source material. It's not Like they're doing it to like waste human life. They're trying to be faithful to source material and the internet suddenly had a
0: problem. So, yeah, um, no, I I, I like it. Like, I I feel like if if there's multiple really powered beings that are fighting, like obviously there's going to be some property damage. And to me, it always made it feel like there is a little bit more of a weight and consequence to the action that was going on as opposed to if just there was never any collateral damage at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the idea of having a sitcom, which I really, this is what
1: it was supposed to be. But DC had their show called powerless, which was, it became about a group of, it, it ended up becoming a group of people working working the R and D team at Wayne enterprises and building tech for the city. I was it was originally supposed to be about the insurance adjusters who clean up the property damage after the big superhero battles, <laughs> but, yeah. um, which I thought would have been way more entertaining in terms of like work office, like uh, uh, workplace comedy, that kind of thing. So. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the end of the list tonight. Um, this I thought this was a fun conversation just because we got to take a look at take a look at some animation. Um, but next week is your pick, man. So what are we doing?
0: Yeah, so we're, what we're going to do next week is the top five movies from 2005, and uh, there is some reasoning for that, but I'll kind of save that explanation for next week. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a year that I saw a lot of movies, and I'm really excited to tackle this one.
1: Um this uh, just if you this is your first time listening to our show, when we do uh, a year, we do a list of like our favorite movies from a certain year. Those specifically have to be ranked. A lot of times we do these lists and there's no ranking. It's kind of like the ones we want to talk about in whatever order. Um, but uh, these have to be actually ranked. We have to like, actually treat them as this is my favorite film of the year kind of thing. So... Um, Yeah, 2005. Um, I know off the top of my head, I know at least one film I saw that year. Um, (laughs) Right. um, I'd have to go back and take a look at the list. I know it's a bigger I know it's a bigger list than you think, but uh, that was the year uh, Revenge of the Sith released. So. um, Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. uh, We've talked about Revenge of the Sith a lot, but it's still still a good movie to talk about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh,
1: that being said, um, do us all a favor, everybody, because uh, that's a – how about this? That's another episode in the can, Peter, so let's close this out. Um, do us all a favor, everyone. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top at gmail.com. Um, you can hit us up on our email. Hit us up on social media. Either way works. Um, We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to those in those places. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars. But we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Drew3927Peter.
0: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be letting you know all the best places to buy Chemical X. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, that
1: being said, uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening.